0: Hey folks, Andy Patton here with another episode in our season in review series, talking all things Anton Watson today, a look at his third season with the Zags, reviewing how he performed compared to the best and worst case scenarios we laid out for him before the season, and a look at what his role is going to look like next year, what that means for the Zags, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. I also want to thank all of you who continue to make Locked On Zags your first listen every day. And for those of you who have continued to check the show out on YouTube, if you have not done so yet, just go to YouTube.com, search Locked On Zags. You can find all of the episodes there. You can find them organized by the specific type of episode that they are. and You can hit that subscribe button to be one of the next subscribers to the show. Today is, I believe, the 10th now, 10th episode in our series, reviewing every player on Gonzaga's roster. We're talking about how their season went. We're comparing them to the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out for them before the season began. And then we're talking about each player's future, whether they're coming back to Gonzaga, whether they're not, and what it means for the team today. We're talking about the Spokane native, the man from Gonzaga prep. He was a bull pop. Now he's a bulldog. That is, of course, Anton Watson. Watson committed to the Zags way back in 2017. It feels like he's been around for a long time because he's been around for a very long time like we said a Spokane native so he didn't have to move all that far to show up on Gonzaga's campus. Maybe not everybody remembers this but he was the top 50 recruit in the class Uh, According to 24-7 Sports, he was the number two ranked player in the state of Washington behind Jaden McDaniels, who is now in the NBA after going to the University of Washington. Uh, Watson played somewhat sparingly as a freshman. He had a a big role early in the year, started to begin his college career. That shoulder injury just lingered and lingered and lingered, and eventually he had season-ending shoulder surgery to cut short his freshman year. That injury impacted him a fair amount as a sophomore as well. He did play 32 games for the Zags in his second season, made 17 starts, played roughly 18 minutes per game. His numbers were solid. He kind of faded as the year went on. He lost his starting job to Andrew Nempard, who eventually ended up filling out a three-guard lineup for the Zags. But he still had a very solid sophomore year, and there was some kind of question of what his role was going to look like this year as a junior with Chet Holmgren, with Drew Timmy. Were they going to play a lot of three- Big lineups, which was something we kind of talked a lot about before the season started, kind of where was his role going to be. He ended up having probably the most clearly defined role of his three-year collegiate career as a junior. His first two seasons, he started some games, didn't start some other games. His role kind of changed as the year went on. This year, it was ironclad. From the first game to the last game, Anton Watson was very clearly this team's third big He was the first player coming off of the bench. He played a very consistent number of minutes per game, and I think the consistency really helped him. Certainly, we know that Mark Few is a bit of a... He kind of falls victim to being really, really tight with his rotations in terms of just how many players that he plays, and also just getting a little repetitive and doing the same things. Doesn't switch it up all of that often. Uh, There are a handful of things that I think are, are worthy to criticize Mark Few for, and I think being pretty unwilling to adapt his his lineups is one of them, but I do think that in a lot of situations it can really help the players, particularly players who haven't had that kind of consistency in their career up to this point. So for Anton Watson, he played 18 minutes per game. He was the first guy coming off the bench. His role was very, very, very similar pretty much every single game. He finished the year averaging 7.3 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and 1.3 steals per game. Every single one of those is a career high. And yes, you might say, well, he played more minutes. Of course, he played about about one minute more per game this year than he did last year. So it was a pretty minute difference in terms of minutes. Obviously, last year, like we said, he played more at the beginning of the year, and that faded this year a bit more consistent. But still, for him to put up career highs in basically every major statistical category is pretty significant. He finished the year with a 53.8 field goal percentage. Uh, He was at 50, just under 59% on two-pointers, which is great, but it is also a very fall, big fall from where he was as a sophomore. His sophomore year, Watson scored 71% of the time when he was taking two-point shots. That is an incredible number. So for this year, for it to fall to 59, which is still really, really good, it looks like a pretty big fall. But still, for Watson, he's not an elite scorer. He's certainly not a high-volume scorer the way that Drew Timmy or Brandon Clark were. But for him to be scoring around 59% of the time on two-point shots is dang impressive and something that he deserves more credit for than I think he gets by a lot of people. However, Watson doesn't do a whole lot else on offense. He This season was a career best 22.7% from deep. That's just not getting it done. He's not an outside shooter. He has fortunately not attempted to really be an outside shooter. He took more threes this year than he had in his first two seasons, but he's still attempting not even one three per game. This is not a huge part of his game. Uh, It would be really nice, and we're going to talk about this a lot more in each of the next two segments, but it would be nice if Watson could really stretch the defense a little bit, play more away from the rim, because right now, offensively, he's he's best utilized as a low post scorer, and Gonzaga has frequently had those on the roster and hasn't really needed him to fill that role. Now, when he needs to come into the game in place of Drew Timmy and is utilized as a low post scorer when Timmy was on the bench, that worked pretty well, and it was something he was capable of doing. But he doesn't have a lot of offensive versatility outside of that, and it is something that has hampered his ability uh, in terms of just developing, in terms of being an NBA prospect, and really in terms of kind of helping the Zags uh, out of some certain situations. He did improve his free throw percentage up just under 70%, 69.8. That's not elite by any means, but it is a, a big improvement from each of his last two seasons. 70% free throw shooter is far from the worst. Uh, I was nice to see that be an area of improvement for him, especially with the outside shooting woes still being an issue. Now, consistency is a big question with Anton Watson. It was a question about him last year. It was a question coming into this year. And frankly, it's still a little bit of a question. He kind of had... Three seasons, in a sense. He had his first eight games, the middle 16 games, and then his final eight games. And I broke those out into three different categories. And you can see the pretty significant difference in his performances. In the first eight games of the season, Anton Watson averaged 3.6 points per game. Along with 3.5 rebounds, 2.6 assists, he shot just under 42% from the field. And he took five three-pointers in those eight games and made zero of them. In his next 16 games, this is where Watson really started to thrive. This was the best version of Anton Watson that we saw. 16 games in the middle of the season, he averaged 11 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. He shot 61.5% from the field, and he took 14 three-pointers in those 16 games, and he knocked down 5 of them. That's good for 36%. So for half of the season... The middle portion of the season, Anton Watson was a 36% three point shooter. This is on 14 attempts, so we're not talking about somebody who's like burning the nets or anything, but I thought it was notable that for a huge chunk of the season, he actually wasn't that bad of an outside shooter. And he was averaging 11 and 5 coming off the bench, 11 and 5 with two assists coming off the bench. This was a really excellent stretch. And it's, you know, we're not talking about a three or four game stretch. Six, this is half the season that Anton Watson performed at this level. And then in the final eight games, the third segment of the season, Watson averaged four points, five and a half rebounds, 1.3 assists. His field goal percentage was below 40% during those final eight games, and he took three 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 three-point attempts and did not make any of them. So 0 for 8 from 3 in his first and last eight games of the season, 5 for 14 in the middle of that Just kind of an interesting dynamic for Watson. You could make some arguments that fatigue was a factor at the end of the year. It seemed to impact a lot of Gonzaga's players. You could make the argument that he was still finding his role at the beginning of the year. There are a lot of ways to interpret this data. None of them are necessarily 100% accurate. Some of it is probably just a little bit fluky, a little bit arbitrary, whatever it is. But one argument that I have seen a lot that many of you have li- are listening have either heard or b- have parroted yourself is that Watson only plays well against good or against bad teams. And then if you look at oh in the middle of the season that's when Gonzaga was playing all of the bad WCC teams that must be the case. It's not. It's it's not. This is a, this is a false narrative. Certainly some of Anton Watson's best games have been against bad teams. That's true of everybody. <laughs> Like that's that's a little bit unfair to, to just put that on Anton Watson. Chet Holmgren's career high game against the University of San Diego. Like, this is just a—Gonzaga a, plays a lot of bad teams. That's a part of how their schedule works because they're still in the WCC. And even outside of that, they play bad teams in the non-conference. That's just—they they just, they play a lot of bad teams. And, and so for Watson, like, he doesn't have this consistent trend of not playing well against good teams and only playing well against bad teams. That's just not the case. A couple examples in this season. He had 10 points and four rebounds on perfect four of four shooting against Alabama. He was dang near the only player on Gonzaga's roster who played well in Seattle for that one. 10 points, four boards, two steals against Texas Tech. In that game, he went three for four from the field and knocked down his only three point attempt. As against was arguably considered one of the five best defenses in the entire country, and Watson went 10-4 and four in that one. 10-5 five on five, and five of six shooting against St. Mary's. That was in the WCC championship game after Gonzaga got beat pretty badly by the Gales in the regular season finale for them to come around and beat St. Mary's in the WCC title game and for Watson to be one of the biggest pieces, five for six in that game. So I really just kind of wanted to spend the last minute of this segment kind of, poo-pooing a little bit on that idea that Watson only does well against bad teams. He plays better against bad teams, but everybody who has pretty much ever put on a Gonzaga uniform has had some of their best games against the worst teams in the WCC. This is not uncommon and not an argument that should be used solely against Anton Watson. All right, that is is an overview of Watson's third season in a Gonzaga uniform. We're going to look back at the best and worst case scenarios for Anton that I laid out before the season started in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bilt Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com All right, segment two, still Amy patents, still locked on Zags, still talking all things Anton Watson in the 10th episode of our Season in Review series. Second segment, we always look back to October of 2021 when I released my best and worst case scenario predictions for each player on the roster. We're going to look back at those and we're going to discuss where Watson kind of fell. Did he lean best case? Did he lean worst case? Was he somewhere in the middle and what that kind of means for him going forward? So October 2021, Andy said the best case for Anton Watson is that he is the first player off the bench and he plays 20 to 25 minutes per night. So he didn't quite get... Up to 20 to 25 minutes per night, uh, in part because at the time I thought that there was a likelihood that we would see some three big lineups with Chet Holmgren or Anton Watson playing more of a wing role. Never ended up seeing that. Still, he averaged just under 19 minutes a game. So this was pretty close. And I think with very few exceptions, I think Watson was the first player off the bench basically every single game. That was very clearly his defined role as a junior this season. Best case scenario for Anton Watson, he is a defensive stopper and in contention for WCC Defensive Player of the Year. There was nobody in contention for Defensive Player of the Year that was not named Chet Holmgren, so I don't know that you can really give him that, but he was phenomenal this year defensively. His D rating this season was 86. That means he gave up 86 points per 100 possessions. The only player on Gonzaga's roster who was better than that was Chet Holmgren, and nobody else was particularly close. Anton Watson was a phenomenal defensive player this year. Seeing how good of a defensive player somebody is is it can be difficult. It's not an easy, it's not as easy of a thing to watch as a really good scorer or a really good three-point shooter, for example. But make no mistake, Anton Watson is exceptional on the defensive end of the floor. He's good away from the rim. He's not a great rim protector. That's not really what he's been asked to do, but he is a great great defensive player and he proved it again this year. Best case scenario for Anton Watson, is he less inconsistent? He averages 8 to 10 points per game by scoring 8 to 10 points per game most nights. Yes, we didn't quite get here on this. I was really hoping that the 8 to 10 points per game is definitely right around where he was. He was a little above that but he wasn't super consistent. We'd see some 16-point games, some some 14, 18-point games. Then we'd see some three-point games, some four-point games, some games where he didn't score at all and he had four fouls. Like, we, he just, he hasn't quite. And this year, because he had such a consistent role, it was unfortunate to not see him be as consistent. You all know who listen to this podcast that I'm a big Anton Watson supporter and a truther of his, but he, this consistent the, consistency thing is an issue for him it is frustrating to play a guy the same number of minutes basically every game and to have him be the come in at the same time like play the same role and sometimes he's going to give you 12 and 15 and sometimes he's going to give you four and and this happens to every player. You don't. Drew Timmy didn't give Gonzaga 19 points every single game. Sometimes he was better. Sometimes he was worse. So it's not, again, it's not fair to levy this only on Watson. But it would be nice to see him be a little bit more consistent. I think that's something Gonzaga could have really utilized this year, especially because they didn't have a lot of help in the front court behind him. Best case scenario for Anton Watson is he becomes a competent three-point shooter and makes the defense respect him yeah he just didn't didn't get there again the, the middle the middle 16 games of the season when he shot 36% that was awesome and I think there were periods of time where defenders were really worried about him and were coming out on him a little bit but again that was 14 three point attempts in 16 games. so it's not like it was which is fine. I don't think it should have been a bigger part of his game I think that would have probably been had an adverse effect if he was taking too many of them uh, but he's just he hasn't gotten to the point where defenses are really respecting his outside shot. The best case scenario for Anton Watson is he remains an elite finisher inside and ups his free throw percentage. So the free throw percentage came up. We talked about that a little bit in the first segment. That was a best case scenario come true for Anton Watson, but Remaining an elite finisher inside, again, 59% on two-pointers is pretty dang good. You could make a strong argument that that is elite, but considering he was 71% as a sophomore and he dropped 12 percentage points, I'm not sure that we can call that a best-case scenario. The hope was that he would at least maintain or be in the mid-60s on those two-point shots. 59, while not bad, is still a pretty sharp decline from where he was as a sophomore. Best-case scenario for Anton Watson, he's playable with both Timmy and Chet, and helps ease the defensive burden on everyone, So yeah, he was the backup to both spots. He played alongside Chet Holmgren. He played alongside Drew Timmy. Very comfortable playing with both of them, which was huge. Gonzaga really wanted to be able to just rotate those three guys in and get 40 minutes at two spots out of just those three guys. And they were able to do so with a ton of success this season because Watson was flexible, because he can play defense away from the rim, because he can adequately handle himself down low if needed. Most of the time he wasn't you know, asked to be the primary rim protector, but if he was guarding a guy who was trying to post him up, he's a good enough defensive player that he was able to do that. And then finally, the last best case scenario for Mr. Watson, it's at least talked about that he could leave early to play pro ball. No, this is is not really being discussed. We'll talk about it more in the third segment, but Anton Watson's coming back. He's got at least one more year uh, in a Gonzaga uniform, potentially two depending on what he wants to do, but uh, there's not really any conversation right now about him being a, a professional basketball player, at least not before next season. All right. Worst case scenarios for Anton Watson. The worst case scenario is that his outside shooting is not consistent, but he keeps shooting them. This was kind of the fear is that with Watson and a little bit with Drew Timmy is like, these are guys who are going to want to take a lot of threes because they have NBA aspirations. And that's one thing you need to display that you're capable of doing in the NBA, but that they just weren't going to knock him down. Now, Mark Few is a very good coach and he has been very good at not Not allowing guys to do stuff like this, I guess, is the best way to put it. Watson slightly improved as a three-point shooter. He was still under 23% on the season, which is pretty darn bad. But he also only took like three-fourths of one attempt per game. I think he averaged 0.7 per game. So it just wasn't, wasn't happening enough for it to be really a positive or a negative thing for Gonzaga this season. Worst case scenario for Anton Watson: the free throw shooting doesn't improve, and he is a late game liability. So again, up to seventy percent on the free throws, right around the same as Drew Timmy. So he he didn't make himself a liability on that end. He wasn't really on the floor a lot in late game situations, unless there was foul trouble for either Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren. Uh, But offensively, he wasn't going to be. You didn't want him on the floor, even if the free throw percentage ticked up. It just he was just so good defensively that you want to try to get him in at least on that end of the floor when you can. Worst case scenario for Anton Watson, it was hard to play alongside Chet and Drew, and he can only play if one sits. Yeah, so this this was absolutely the case. Uh, I don't think it ended up actually being a worst case scenario, really, but he never played with Bolt. I don't think these three guys played a single minute all together on the court at the same time. I don't think that it ever happened. But Watson was clearly ahead of both Ben Gregg and Caden Perry uh, when they were healthy that... He, he soaked up every minute that basically either Drew or Chet were were not on the floor. Worst case scenario for Anton Watson is he loses playing time to either Ben Gregg or Caden Perry. This did not happen. It's impossible to know what would have happened had Caden Perry stayed fully healthy for the entire season. I suspect That he would have, he certainly would have played as the year went on, but I don't think he was going to cut seriously into Anton Watson's minutes. I think the staff really liked what they got out of Anton this year on both ends of the floor, and I just don't think Perry would have. I think there's a chance he could cut into some of his minutes next season, and we'll talk about that in the third segment, but I don't think that it would have happened this past year. Worst case scenario for Anton Watson is that he has an undefined role heading into his senior year, and that is what I wanna talk about in the third segment. At this point in late April, his role is not clearly defined, but that has more to do with the fact that Gonzaga's roster is pretty undefined and less to do with Anton Watson and his skill set. But we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to talk about what the Zags are going to do with Anton Watson next season. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why and dear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer and they have everything you could need brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. I just had my 13 year old car service recently and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I needed made things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment three, still in patents still locked on Zags, still talking all things Spokane native Anton Watson. Third segment, we're taking a look at his future, specifically what his role could look like in his fourth season in Spokane with the Zags in 2022-2023. So here is what we know. There's kind of a reason I waited on Anton Watson, because the clarity on his role is so undefined and is, is not going to be defined until... A long time from now, especially with the uncertainty on Gonzaga's roster. The things we know, Chet Holmgren is gone. That is thing number one. We knew that uh, over a year ago. (laughs) About a year ago is when Chet Holmgren committed to Gonzaga. And I could have told you right then that at this time a year later, he would be gone. So that is definitively done. He is not coming back. Drew Timmy is is the big mystery, the big question mark right now. Drew Timmy has declared for the 2022 NBA draft. He posted a note that was a big thank you to Gonzaga, to the fan base, the community, coaches, whatever, etc. But he hired an NCAA-approved agent. So he has until mid-June to make the decision to withdraw from the NBA draft, return to Gonzaga, and play another season in Spokane. So I I have speculated on this podcast numerous times. I think at this point I'm leaning more likely that he's not returning, but Oscar Shubway at Kentucky just came back, and he's got a somewhat similar profile to Drew. I think he could come back. I think it makes some sense for him to come back. I think there are are also plenty of reasons that make sense for him to not come back, so I'm still kind of 50-50 on him right now. But until we know what Drew Timmy is doing and until we know what, if any, transfer big man the Zags are going to land this offseason— Anton Watson's role is very, very up in the air heading into next season. The nice thing is while there are some consistency issues with Anton Watson on a day-in, day-out basis, for the, for the course of a full season, you pretty much know what you're going to get out of him. He's a good rebounder. He's a good passer for large chunks of the season. He was second on this team in assists uh, early in the year in particular. He was a very deft passer, very, very good at that. So he's an adequate offensive player. He's a decent playmaker. He's a good low post scorer. He's a not an outside shooter, and he's a great perimeter defensive player. He's great in half-court traps. He's great on the perimeter. He's a very switchable big man. You can put him if he needs to switch onto a guard. He's very capable of that. So you kind of know what his strengths and weaknesses are. So you kind of know what to plug and play with him that's going to make the most sense. Drew Timmy and Anton Watson have played a whole bunch of minutes together in the front court. So if Drew Timmy returns, I still think that the Zags are going to go out and get a high-profile transfer big man. They're in on Dawes Amack from Utah Valley. We've talked about him a bunch on this podcast. They're in on Johnny Broom from Moorhead State, another guy we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Efton Reed from LSU, somebody I talked about for Mailbag Monday. Those are just a few of the names of big men that Gonzaga is very interested in trying to put on this roster next season. Any of those players would start— Reed is a bit of a question mark, I should say, but Broom or Amack would start over Anton Watson— in a heartbeat. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Those guys are really, really good. And Watson coming back as the third big once again and playing a similar similar role would be excellent. If it was Efton Reed that they added or if for some reason they were unable to add a high profile transfer and instead added either didn't add one at all and just relied on Ben Gregg, Caden Perry, Braden Huff uh, or added somebody who's not going to be a big contributor in year one then I think that the Zags would, would be pretty comfortable with Watson starting alongside Timmy. It's maybe not ideal, especially if they just don't add anybody, and it's Watson and Timmy with Greg Perry Huff as your backups because there's just not a lot of experience there. There's not a lot of—it's just a big question mark. Caden Perry coming off the significant back injury. It's hard to know if when he's gonna be 100 percent Ben Gregg has not looked good on the defensive end of the floor. He's got some offensive upside, but hasn't showed it yet. Braden Huff, true freshman, just hard to know exactly what he's going to give you. So I think that the Zags are gonna add a front court player to this roster. I think the the if Drew Timmy leaves, they're definitely going to add a front court player. They're very realistically could add two in that situation. But I also think it's possible that if Drew Timmy leaves and the Zags can go get themselves daze Mac or Johnny Broom that they would start Watson alongside those two guys it's not necessarily a perfect fit for either of them and I'm not going to go into too too granular with either of them. If if one of them shows up on campus, we'll have a much longer conversation about how that front court could match up. Broom is a great low post scorer, but is not a threat whatsoever from the outside. So if Broom and Watson is your primary starting front court, you really need some shooters around them because those two guys are not going to stretch the floor. You probably don't get to utilize the high low offense, which is a big part of Gonzaga's success over the past couple of decades, and something they weren't able to use when Anton Watson was the primary four on the twenty twenty. 2021 team so but if it's amac amac's a 44 percent three-point shooter he could play more away from the rim he could feed the ball to anton watson who becomes more of your primary low post score he's not going to be utilized the same way drew timmy was utilized because he's just not that good of a high volume scorer. but you could at least run sets where Watson's the guy posting up Amax away from the rim, pulls the defenders away, allows him more room to operate. There's some options in there. There's some things that I think Gonzaga's capable of doing. I think having three years of data on who Anton Watson is, what kind of player he is, what are his strengths, what are his weaknesses, certainly allows Gonzaga more ability to kind of find the right player on the transfer portal who might fit alongside of him. But again, all of this... None of this can be concretely answered until we know what the heck is going on with Drew Timmy because his return changes everything. So that's kind of why is in a bit of a holding pattern. Hopefully that will get resolved in some way or another fairly soon. Hopefully they'll at least get some resolution on the transfer portal and then they can start working on putting those pieces together. The last thing I want to talk about with Anton Watson is the NBA future. I have mentioned on this show a handful of times that I believe he has NBA potential. I still believe in that potential, but it, there's no denying that at this point, his body of work has not been enough for him to get the attention of NBA scouts. Notably, the outside shooting. There's a such thing as a 3 and D wing in the NBA, and it's a very popular position. It is The the label that Julian Strother has been receiving uh, throughout his sophomore season, the reason that he's testing the draft waters. But you have to be able to hit that outside shot. Anton Watson could could play defense capably in the NBA right now. He wouldn't be as elite in the NBA as he is in college. Most players are not. uh, And the physicality would be a bit of a challenge for him. But he could capably play defense in the NBA right now. I really, truly believe that. But he would be a complete non-factor on offense. If you can't shoot if you're 6 foot 8 and you're you can't shoot you're just you're not going to make it in the NBA it's just not going to happen so this is it's 100% dependent on this i don't know that he'll ever get the opportunity to be a knockdown three point shooter at gonzaga it probably would have needed to happen by now so i don't know where that leaves him I, he's coming back for next season there's a fairly good chance he uses that covid year and comes back for a fifth year as well it's way too early to make any concrete predictions about that, but I can tell you right now that it certainly wouldn't shock me if he makes that decision. I'm still holding out hope that the athleticism, the talent on defense, uh, the continued improvement and just in terms of his basketball intelligence, his high IQ, uh, all of that stuff will help him potentially carve out a professional basketball playing career, but unless he starts knocking down threes at are really high rate, that's probably not something that's in the cards for him going forward. All right, that is going to do it for me today day we got one more of these coming up on friday we also got a look at gonzaga's baseball program some other transfer portal updates and rumors on the recruiting trail for thursday's show right here on the locked on zags podcast available wherever you get your podcasts and available on youtube as well finally thank you again to those of you who have made locked on zags your first listen of the day now is a great time to make your second listen locked on nba draft podcast With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Rafael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!